Let's read here, John 12, starting in verse 20. Now among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. For this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. Well, this morning is, like we already talked about, it's Easter. It's Resurrection Sunday, and it seems wrong not to talk about it and to think about it. So we're going to talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus the death and resurrection of Jesus. The first thing we want to see is just that Jesus came to die for us. See this passage, Jesus is on his way to the cross and he knows he's going to die and he sees it as his purpose. And so... Other people come to see him and he reminds the disciples what he's already said so many times is that he had to die and rise. And this time he says it in a parable. He talks about a grain of wheat falling into the earth and dying. And if it doesn't die, it'll remain alone. But if it dies, it'll bear much fruit. And you almost think, how could he even talk about it? It's so heavy. And he talks about it kind of in this distant, parable way. And then you see that it's not something that he's floating above. Look at verse 27. Now is my soul troubled, and what shall I say? It's weighing on him. And so, what I really want for me and for us is that this wouldn't be just some nice thing where we get together and there's some special time with family and you get a day off work and we talk about Jesus and somebody sings this, we sing a song that we don't even really know what it means or it doesn't hit us like it should. It's not real to us. I want it to be real, you know, not just to be able to say Jesus died and it doesn't mean anything, or it means very little, or Jesus rose, it means, and it mean very little. We want it to hit us, the reality. Zachariah says that about Jesus' death, that 
They'll look on him who they have pierced and they'll weep for him as for an only son. You see, Jesus really died. He really did die. He really came down and he really gave up his last breath. He really spilt his blood. It's not just a fairy tale or a story or something off in the distance that's unreal. It's real. It happened. Yeah, I'll never forget one Easter weekend, we had to go to a funeral. And we on our way, we were on our way to the fellowship conference and we literally left from the funeral to start driving. And you every year you remember, you think, man, it's been how many years now? Four or five years. And you think and you feel, wow, remember this is the weekend that so and so. Is it like that for Jesus? I mean, is it real to you that Jesus really was a man? He really died. You know, people cry when characters in a book die. They're not real. They don't exist. And people will cry and cry. Oh, so-and-so, I was reading such-and-such a book, and -and so-and-so died. People die in a movie, and it'll cause people to weep. And they know it's not real. That person didn't really die. That's an actor. And people will cry. Real tears over something that's not true. What about Jesus? Jesus really did die. He was a real man. The living God among us died. What about us? Do we we have tears? Have you ever shed a tear that Jesus Christ died for you? I would guess that the majority of Americans would say they've shed more tears for fictional characters in movies and books than they ever shed for the real living God who actually died for them. I know that's the case for me when I was lost. I shed tears over a lot of things, but not over Jesus, never over Jesus. It was unreal, some off in the distance, that I knew the right answer in my mind, but it wasn't real in my life, my heart. He, He left his home in heaven and shed real blood on the cross for us. Sometimes I think about the things we say and think, do we know what we're singing? I think about that song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. Do you realize what that's saying? If, you're, if you came in and your kid was watching something on TV and there's a pretty fountain and then suddenly, oh, the fountain's on. What's com- Oh, that's blood coming out of the fountain. You would turn the TV off. You'd say, kids, you cannot watch this. I don't know what this is, but this is grotesque. This is scary. You can't watch this. One time I was thinking about communion and I, thought, I had this thought in my mind, maybe I should bring in some fake blood. And I realized that would be so scary. I couldn't even bring in fake blood to say, look, this is real blood, this, this is fake blood, but look, there's, there was real blood that Jesus shed. I couldn't even do that. It's too much. It's, if you saw blood on the ground, your stomach would clench, you know, it's so real. And it's, it evokes a, a visceral response because you know this is serious, something serious has happened. And yet, Jesus, 
Jesus, when we sing of his blood, we're talking about a, a perfect man dying. Does it affect you? Does it affect me? And I just confess that the vast majority of the time it doesn't affect me like it should. But we can ask God, make it real to us. There really was a man who went into the ground so that we might bear much fruit. You know, it's, it's hard to give an illustration because you can't. It's almost like any illustration or any comparison of the death of Jesus to anything else demeans it, belittles it, because it was so unique and so powerful. But I don't know what other way to try and get it across that Jesus really died for you. You know, imagine, I don't know if I've said this before, but imagine we're walking out of here this afternoon and you're crossing the street, maybe you're on your phone, you're not looking, and the car is speeding down, I push you out of the way. You weren't looking, you, you hear some. You hear a screech, you turn around, and there I am on the ground. And there's blood on you, there's blood on the ground, and you realize, that should have been me, I was the one not paying attention. You wouldn't just go home and have a nice, happy afternoon. You'd put your head in your hands, and you would be up at night. Because you'd think, I sh- that, was, that should have been me. And you'd remember it every every year for sure you'd remember wow that was the day you know that's nothing that example is so much less than Jesus Christ that I hesitate to even share it because think about me I deserve to die I'm a sinner that I'm going to die and it's and it's right that sinners the just punishment for sin is death There's nothing wrong. The world is not going to cry out if I die unjust or this is wrong. The ground's not going to shake. But Jesus Christ, the perfect man who lived a perfect life, who did not have to die. He didn't have to become a man. He didn't have to, once he became a man, submit himself to shed one drop of blood, let alone his whole life for us. But he did. You know, I just want it to be real so bad, but I can't make it real to you. I can't shake it into you. Only the Holy Spirit can make it real to you. That's it. We're blind. You know, we're blinded apart from the work of the Holy Spirit and of God to see what a wonderful God we have. You know, it says they'll weep for Him like an only son. What would you... How would you respond if your child was flogged? I mean, you would be, every, at every blow, it would tear your heart to pieces to see your child tortured and to see the, the wounds. What about crucified? You can handle it. And yet, it was more than that, wasn't it? Jesus didn't just physically die. There was something more going on. You see the hints of it here in verse 27, how troubled his soul is. It was more than just a physical death. He took the wrath of God. He took the wrath of God for us.
you know, the writers of the Gospels, I think they were wise. I think God really helped them in that they didn't describe the crucifixion in detail. They didn't describe the wounds of Jesus. They just said he was crucified. He was flogged. It's the kind of thing you can't really describe. It's I'm going to read you an account from Richard Warmbrand. He was a pastor in Romania whenever the communists were in control. And this account really struck me. I can't remember how many years ago I read this. I don't, and I remember, I could think, oh, I'd, I'd like to read that again because it was so shocking to me when I read it. So he, he's talking about being behind the Iron Curtain and he meets a Russian captain. Here's what he says. He says he had no religious education. He had never seen a Bible. I read to him the Sermon on the Mount and the parables of Jesus after hearing them, he danced around the room in rapturous joy, proclaiming, What a wonderful beauty! How could I live without knowing this Christ? It was the first time I saw someone jubilating in Christ. Then I made a mistake. I read to him the passion and the crucifixion of Christ. Without having prepared him for this, he had not expected it. When he heard how Christ was beaten, how he was crucified, and that in the end he died, he fell in an armchair and began to weep. He had believed in a Savior, and now a Savior was dead. I looked at him, and I was ashamed that I had called myself a Christian and a pastor, a teacher of others. I had never shared the sufferings of Christ like this Russian officer now shared them. Looking at him was for me like seeing Mary Magdalene weeping at the foot of the cross or at the empty tomb. Then I read the story of the resurrection. When he heard this wonderful news that the Savior rose from the tomb, he slapped his knees and shouted for joy, He's alive, he's alive. And again he danced around the room overwhelmed with happiness. I said to him, let us pray. He fell on his knees together with me. He did not know holy phrases. His words of prayer were, If I were you and you were me, I would never have forgiven your sins. But you really are a good God. I love you with all my heart. I think that the angels in heaven stopped what they were doing to listen to this sublime prayer from the Russian officer. When this man received Christ, he knew that he would immediately lose his position as an officer that prison and perhaps death in jail would almost surely follow. But he gladly paid the price. He was ready to lose everything. So, it's real. It really happened. There was real blood on the ground. There was a real body that was broken. And we should shed tears. But, just as real as that, so also is the resurrection. 
And how precious the resurrection is depends on how real the crucifixion was, how real his death was. There's a song that we like to sing. That I remember sitting on the front row the first time God ever really hit me with the reality. Jesus was in the tomb and he was really gone. And it says, light of the world by darkness slain. In light of the world by darkness. It wasn't just a man that died for you. It was the light of the world. And there he was. There in the ground his body lay. Light of the world by darkness slain. It's like the one face on earth that should not be lifeless was there stilled by death. Then bursting forth in glorious day up from the grave he rose again. However sad it is that Jesus died, however much of a loss it is, that's how much more of a wonderful thing that Jesus rose. He's here, he's alive. He's not gone forever. You know, imagine this. Imagine heaven without the resurrection. Imagine Jesus died to pay for our sins and that was it. He's gone. What would heaven be? Heaven would be an eternal funeral. We would sing dirges about the one we love most and how they died for us. We would be not a bride, we'd be a widow. Nothing. What could make up for Jesus not being in heaven? Nothing. No more sickness, no more pain. But Jesus isn't there. Nothing would make up for it. And yet, why is heaven heaven? It's because he rose. He's going to be there. It wasn't just a grain of wheat falling to the earth and dying and staying there. It was dying and that it might bear much fruit. Praise the Lord that we, get, we do get to see Jesus' face. And it's not going to be still in death. It's going to be alive. He's going to speak. Jesus isn't done speaking. Think about that. Think about all this. Precious words of Jesus. We're going to hear a million times more in heaven. And you're going to hear him face to face. He's going to talk to you. And it makes me think of Peter where he talks about you haven't seen him and yet you love him. It's amazing that for every Christian, the person we love most is someone we've never met that we're waiting, we want to meet. And we can meet because of the resurrection. Well, you can't do it justice. I can't do it justice. We're going to have to see him for it to be real like it should be. But I wanted to try a little bit. Let's look at a couple more things here. The paradoxical nature of death and resurrection. Look at these verses here. Let's just look at them one more time. Verse Verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it, and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. You know, I titled this message, Death and Resurrection. Death and Resurrection. Why? Because in my mind, we think about death of Christ and almost forget to talk about the resurrection it's like death is a big thing and then 
Oh yeah, but he also rose again. And I even would quote verses like 1 Peter 3.18, Christ died once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And I would always stop right there. But that's not where Peter stopped. He says, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. He brings in the resurrection. The, writer, the gospel writers, the apostles, they do it over and over and over. They see the resurrection as inseparable to the death of Jesus. And you can see that in this text. Think about Jesus. What is he saying? He's saying that he's going to go die. And in his mind, what's, what's bringing him on? Why is he going to die? Well, he's going to die because the effects is going to be life. It's going to give life to us, but he also is going to rise from the dead. It's not just a death. It's a death and a resurrection. And it's, it's, amazing, how, it's amazing how connected it is in the scriptures And it's amazing how it is not intuitive at all. It's not something that seems so clear at first. Think about this. He says, in losing, you find. In losing your life, you find your life. That, does not, that is not clear to begin with. That's not something you would think on your own. In dying, you live. It's paradoxical. To give life, he had to die. And yet, once you see it, it's so clear. Death and resurrection. You give away everything to receive. And, and in giving it all away, you receive back. It's amazing. Well, let's move on from there. We'll come back to that a little bit. But here's the main thing I want to point out from these things. Jesus calls us to follow him in voluntary death. And if we follow him, we will be raised with him. So, Jesus here is talking about his death. And what is he saying? He's telling them, follow me. Do what I'm doing. You see how I'm going to die and rise again? This is a pattern for you to emulate. You're going to not only see me die and benefit from it, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. I want you to die so that you can rise. It's amazing. We think about Jesus' death as accomplishing things for us. Do we think about Jesus' death as a pattern to live by? We see Jesus' resurrection. It did the same. It accomplished things for us. It's also something we can look forward to. A pattern. So here's one thing. Conversion is a death and resurrection. One of the things here that I think he's bringing out and that the New Testament affirms is that conversion is a death and resurrection. When you become a Christian, you die. And yet, new life comes. And so I think that's part of the thing he's talking about here. He's talking about you're losing your life. You're giving it all to Christ. The one life you used to live, you don't live it anymore. The things you used to love, you don't love them anymore. They're all gone. They're all dead to you now. Uh, Paul says he's crucified to the world. This whole life you used to live, everything you're living for, it's dead to you now. And suddenly, what are you alive to? To God. You're living for God. And it does not sound clear to you at first. I mean, if I, 
if I had a bag of corn or just one piece of corn and I told my child that wanted to eat, no, we're not going to eat this corn, we're going to plant the corn. They'd say, no, that does not make any sense. We're hungry. Why would we take the corn and put it in the ground when we can eat the corn? Well, you say, because you don't understand something. You don't understand death and resurrection. You put it in the ground, you bury it, but more corn is going to come. We could eat it now, but it makes more sense to, th to throw it out, throw it, bury it, and more seed will come up. And that's the way it is for you if you're lost. You think, I've got this one life, you know, this, I've got to spend it on myself. I, I can't give it to God. I can't let God run my life because I've got to run my life. What, what, what would God do with my life? If I pour out all of my money, possessions, my dreams, my hopes, and I give it all to God, who knows what will do with it? I'll go from having one life to having zero. God will take it all. Well, it's because you don't understand death and resurrection. You give it all to God, and you, in the end, you had more than you ever had to begin with. A life poured out with God is a real life. In dying and giving everything to Him, you have more than you ever had before. And when you have it, you realize, ah, I would, that would have been a foolish thing to trade. I wouldn't even want to go back to the life I had. You know, Ravi Zacharias tells this story about a water pump in the desert. And basically what happened is there's a guy in the desert. He had no water. He comes up to this water pump. He starts pumping, you know, oh, water. I'm so thirsty. And nothing comes out. And then he sees a little sign below the, below the pump. And it says, below this sign is buried a liter of water. Do not drink it. Pour it down the pump to prime the pump and begin pumping. And you'll have more water then you can drink. Fill the water bottle back when you're done and bury it for the next person. So here you come in the desert, you find this pump, there's no water, and then underground you, you find this bottle of water. You could drink it. You could fill your, you quench your thirst. Or you could pour it out. But if you pour it out and don't spend it on yourself, you'll have more than you could ever hold. And you'll be able to pour it, fill it up, and leave it for the next person. And that's exactly what it is, right, for a Christian, for the person who is converted. You know, they don't keep their life for themselves. The temptation is, here, I've got one life to live. Let's spend it on me. And then God says, no, no, no. You drink that. You spend your life on you, and in the end, you'll still be thirsty. But if you pour it out, if you give it all to me, if you trust me, there's going to be more water than you can ever drink and even enough to overflow for the next, for the next person. Think about what it takes, though, to take that bottle of water. You're in the desert. You're so thirsty. And to pour it out and to watch it go down that, go down that pump. That's costly, right? And that's what it is. It's... It's costly. We have to trust Jesus Christ. We have to trust God because when you pour your life out, give it to Him, you are. I mean, you are laying it down. Everything. And He could do something with it that you don't want. He could tell you to stop watching movies. He could tell you to do anything. He could tell you to go to another country. He could tell you to lay down your pride and go 
and share the gospel with these people, even if they laugh at you. Who knows what it is you value, but you just pour it out to him. But if you do, just the same way that Jesus died and rose again, that and you see it was worth it, this is worth it. It's worth it to pour out your life for Jesus Christ. Let's look at some of the verses, just so you know this isn't just my thoughts. Let's look at Romans 6. Romans 6, 4. Romans 6, 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. You see, conversion is a death and resurrection. You know, we think about the death of Jesus, it washes away our sin. That's true, it does. And when we trust him, our sin is gone. But there's so much more that happens. And it, you're getting to the place, at least for me, where it's like you're just pressing the edge of what you can describe and know. But you know that when you saw that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and you really trusted him, that you died. You're gone. That the person that was is not here anymore. There's a new person. There's a person that... All the things they loved before, they don't love anymore. They love something totally different. They love God. And all, even your personality, in many ways is changed. I mean, think about some of the testimonies. You hear testimonies. I should have asked you before I started naming names, but Mason. Can you imagine Mason beating somebody up? It's laughable. Why? Because we know who he is now. But that's who he was before Christ. But what happened? That Mason van is dead. There's a new Mason van. And it's unthinkable, even some of the things. I mean, same thing happens to me and Jess. People say, Andrew is such and such. And she'll laugh like, no, he's not. I know what he was like. You know, he was the opposite. He was obnoxious, insensitive. Um, and so many things. There's so many testimonies like that where it's like, somehow God reverses the person and it's almost like the things that they definitely weren't God works those in their life what about you you know I am I died I'm if you're a Christian you really can say I'm I God looked down on the world and he saw there's Andrew Turner and he really thought and this is the real case the world would be better if Andrew Turner was dead and that's the truth it would have been because I was sinful I was not helping people, I was harming people, living for myself. And then what? God killed Andrew Turner. He killed him on the cross with Jesus and gave what? A new life in the resurrection, born again to a living hope. Let's look at that passage. That's in First Peter. First Peter 1. We 
1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through what? Through the death of Jesus? Through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You see, that's why we can't disconnect the resurrection and, and the death of Christ on the cross. Because one talks about, yes, we die, our sin is covered, but then what? You go on living in sin? No. Why? Because Christ didn't just die, He was raised. And there's not just a death of the old life, there's a new life. You're born again. It's not just that I died on the cross with Jesus, I have a new life. I was, I'm born again. And in a real sense, I was raised to newness of life. And so were you if you're a Christian. It's unbelievable, really. But you know it's true experientially. You're not the same. You're not, you feel like a different person. Remember Jeff's testimony? He, he didn't know any of these verses and he told his wife, Jeff died. Remember that? He didn't know what happened, but he knew that he had died. That old Jeff is gone. That's amazing. Let's look at one more passage like this. Galatians 2, 19 and 20. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So here he is. Paul is dead. The old Paul is gone, but he has a, there's, a new, there's a new life there. And it's the life of Christ in him. We're united with Christ in his death. If we're united with him in his death, surely we'll be united with him in a resurrection like his. Right? They're so connected. So wonderful. When we trust Christ on the cross to take our punishment, we're also looking to him to crucify who we were. We don't just want our sins forgiven, do we? And to go on living just how we were? No. I don't want my sins forgiven and go on living exactly how I lived before I knew Jesus. I want a new life. I want to be born again. I want to be a new person. And he does. He takes it. He crucifies who we were. The old man's gone. There's a new life. There's a new man there. And we live our new life in Christ, purchased by his resurrection. And if we see in Christ's death the old life gone, we've got to look at the resurrection and see the new life purchased, guaranteed. And they can't be separated in your life or in Christ's. You can't just talk about the death. You've got to bring in the resurrection. We're not just offering people forgiveness. We're offering people a new, a new life in God. Think about this. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. 
That's 1 Corinthians 15, 16. David read that this morning. What faith, what futile faith if you're trusting in somebody who's dead and gone? Right? The whole premise is we're trusting a living God who's still active today, who's going to come in and change you and shape you and forgive you and be with you. All that is dependent on His resurrection. If you're trusting a dead Christ, you're trusting someone who's who's not powerful, who's not sitting at the right hand and interceding. But we don't. We trust the risen Christ. So we see that Jesus really died. We see that He really rose. And that that's not just kind of something cute that we say on Easter Sunday and sing a song. We don't want to be have unreality about it. When it's real, it's precious. And we see that that reality we are emulating. We're emulating it in conversion. We're also emulating it in our life right now. In one sense, we are raised. In another sense, we haven't been raised yet. We, we have this new life. In another sense, we're looking for the resurrection, the full, uh, the full life with everything redeemed. The new heavens and the new earth. So what's our response? What should our response be? Well, first, joy, worship, and thankfulness. At the end of Luke, that's how he ends, Luke 24. He ends by just talking about how they were full of joy and they were worshiping God. If you really see that, one, that Jesus really died for you and he rose again, you would worship Jesus. I think about those churches. You know, there's, there's churches probably here in town that sing for an hour every Sunday. Think about that. Sing for an hour. Maybe we should do that. Why? Because Jesus died and rose for us. Wouldn't we? Have you ever sung for an hour? I hope so. Ask God to make it real to you. Thankful. What else? We see the great love of God. You know, you think about this fairy tale somewhere in the distance, oh, Jesus died. And then you think about, no, there's, God really became a man. He really died. You can't have any question in your mind. God loves me. He who did not spare his own son, how will he not with him give us all things? He gave us the biggest thing. Right? If the whole universe went up in flames, that's less than Jesus Christ dying on the cross. God can make 10,000 worlds, but he only had one son, and he gave him for us. He loves us. Remember the words of Jesus? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God loves you enough to die for you. Unthinkable. Inconceivable. What else? If you're not a Christian, you've got to pour your life out to God. Bury your seed. You've got the kernel of your life. Don't spend it on yourself. You're never going to be full. You'll, you'll never be satisfied with that. Bury it. Give it to God. Bury it for Him. Give it all to Him. And you actually will find life by losing it. Don't hold on to it. Pour it out. What else for the Christian? Confidence. You know, I, I wonder how much you think about 
your new life in Christ. Paul prays in Ephesians that the Ephesians would know the power that is at work within us according to the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Now think about that. The resurrection power that raised Jesus is at work in every Christian. How, how much confidence should we have that God will help us in the day? God will help us to defeat sin. God will give us wisdom and grace in all these different situations. Extreme confidence. What if I came up to you and said, I'm just worried that Jesus' death covered all my sins but one and he forgot one and I'm going to go to hell. You'd say, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's a lie. I don't believe that. Is God weak? Is God unable? You know what he said in his word. He'll cover every sin. But what if, what if someone came up and said, I just, I'm struggling. I don't know that, that I'm going to be able to defeat this in, in, my, in my life. You know, I feel like I'm, I want this new life, but I want a victory in this area. I want more Christ-likeness in this area, but I'm just struggling with faith. Well, same thing. Did Christ rise from the dead? Is he lack power? Is he going to forgive your sins and not be able to raise you up? No, just in the same way that Christ died, he covers all your sins. Christ was raised and he's going to change you. He's going to bring you on to the end. The same level of certainty. Have you really seen that you're not only dead with Christ, you're raised? We're certain of it. We're certain because it's certainly connected with the death. If we died with him, we will be raised with him. He will change our, change our hearts. He will give us victory over sin. He will give us a new life. He will bring us on into the new heaven and the new earth. Because he raised. That was the first fruits. Surely that should give us confidence today. What else? Freedom. Give us freedom to pour out our lives, Right? We look at the death and resurrection of Jesus, how he poured everything out for us. Was it worth it? We see in the end, he knew exactly what he was doing. There's more than enough fruit. The one life and death of Jesus has changed the world forever. Can't you trust him to do the same with your life? Pour it out. Pour out your life. Do the things. Jesus chose to enter into suffering. He let people mock him. He let people hurt him. He let people kill him out of love. Feel free in your life to love in a way that's sacrificial. There's so many things that you could do that would be so costly to you in loving people where you're opening yourself up for them to harass you, to hurt you, to steal from you, to reject you, to mock you. Feel free. Why? We see just how Christ did it. He intentionally opened himself up, poured his life out, and in the end, it bore much fruit. You can do it too. Feel free to pour out as much of your life as you want to Jesus Christ. Pour out, pour out, pour out. Open yourself up. You get two job offers. You got one here that's easy, high paying. You get another job offer, maybe where you could love people more. Maybe it's more difficult. Which one do you take? Well, you pray about it. But don't think that if you take the other one that it's not going to be worth it pour out as much of your life as you want open yourself up 
it seemed like a waste to plant the corn. It seems like a waste in a lot of cases to just pour your love out to people. It's not. It's not a waste. Just give you a couple lines from a couple songs here. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. We've sang that a lot of times, but think about what it's saying. We can't die. We're, uni- we're united with him in his death. We're u- we will be united with him in his life. There's another one. He gave his life. What more could he give? Oh, how he loves you and me. Jesus died for us. We can be certain that he loves us. Why don't we pray together and then we're going to sing a couple of these songs. Lord, we just say that we want it to be real. Just Thank you so much, Lord, for dying. Thank you for rising. Pray you give us reality. Pray you pray you'd impress the truth on our hearts that we might have confidence this week. We might be thankful. Amen.